Good morning, um, or good afternoon, or good night, uh, however and whenever you're listening. Today's episode is going to be very um, not like our other ones. Um, However, at the same time, still like our other ones. Today's episode is going to be about a very personal subject to me, um, which some of you know about and some of you don't. Um, But this episode is going to be about uh, love bombing and what love bombing is and what narcissistic abuse is and how to deal with a narcissist in a romantic relationship. Um, Because narcissists do exist out of romantic relationships. And when I first thought about doing this episode, I thought that, um, you know, would this be too personal of a subject for me to touch on? And surprisingly, it wasn't, it wasn't at the same time. Um, when I was speaking with Jessica, and you'll hear this, I keep on relating it back to my own experiences. Um, and it was very interesting just talking with her. Um, and it was pretty crazy. And I realized, you know, how necessary it is that I do make this episode and that I do talk about this. Um, Yeah, I I got so many messages from people, overwhelming actually amounts of messages from people um, who were telling me about, you know, oh, well, when I was with this person recently, you know, this happened and this has gone on in my past. Um, I actually had a crazy experience where somebody reached out to me uh, who I hadn't really spoken to in a while. Um, and both of our exes knew each other. They were kind of in the same circle. And they were both uh, rotten, abusive partners to the both of us. And she just kind of reached out and was like, hey, like, uh, you know, uh, do you, did you know that person the way that I did? And I was like, I, I, I did not at all. Um, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, the people who know my ex, like, they do not know him in the way that I did either, you know, and Jessica and I, we talk about that, um, and yeah, like, it, 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 abuse is really, really scary, um, and the psychological effects are really, really scary, you know, Jessica says at one point in, in the episode that, you know, bruises, Physical bruises, of course, will heal, but psychological damage is much, much harder to reverse. And the past couple months, like I say in the episode, I have been doing um, uh, lots of therapy for abuse recovery, and it's it's quite intense. Um, because you know when you're when you when I talk about this, but when when you're in the relationship with this person, you genuinely feel like you have no sense of self and like you don't even like you just give it all up, everything. You they they find a way to make you give it all up, and and you're just constantly in a state of misery. Like I I was crying every day. I was wondering why it was the way that it was. You know, at one point they said to me, they said, no one will ever love you 
for the amount of problems that you have except for me. So if you think that you can break up with me and you can go off with somebody else, you're wrong. Because I am the only person who will ever be able to see past your problems. And that took me an extremely long time to get over and to move past because like I said with Jessica they make you open up to them so they know every single little secret of yours and they're able to throw it right back into your face just like that um and of course you know like that's not true what that person said to me about that is not true at all right um I was talking to one of my friends about this and you know we were talking about uh like abuse and the effects of abuse that it's had um and I was thinking about you know like Jessica says when you get out you need to surround yourself with just unconditional love from family and friends which I think is absolutely true because the most positive influences of love in your life are you know your your family and if you're have a healthy relationship with your family and your friends if you have a healthy relationship with your friends and I love my friends to, to death and I love my family as you've seen I've had many many members of my family on my podcast here um I I would do anything for them and you know they've shown me what it means to love somebody unconditionally um and I was speaking with her and I, and I was like you know if my family members who are not toxic people who are wonderful and happy and love me unconditionally, which is, you know, a family platonic sense of love. But they, in their lives, have these beautiful, wonderful, romantic relationships where they, you know, they've put in the work and and they've found somebody who loves them and wants to spend their life with them. Then I can absolutely, 100%, find that for myself. And I don't have to fall into the lies that, the person who heard me told me and it, and it goes the same for you if if you have people in your life who are wonderful and are capable of receiving romantic love then you 100% are also capable of finding someone and and you are absolutely worth that for sure a thousand percent and um yeah I mean I could do a whole nother episode about this of just me talking. Um, but for now, <laughs> you know, I'm almost at seven minutes here of just me rambling. Um, so why don't we jump into this episode with Jessica? Hi, my name is Kate Luna and welcome to And What About It? The podcast I made for me that I get to share with you. But today we are talking about something that I think is really important. I know I mentioned it to you um, when I was emailing you, um, but I was asking the followers who like listen to my podcast what they would like to listen to. My audience is majority women, um, and it was kind of narrowed down to relationships, and then what about relationships, and I thought that it was just going to be more toward geared towards like just relationship advice in general but surprisingly a lot of people were really interested in knowing about what narcissistic abuse is and what love bombing is because I think that that 
is, um, you know, people say that there, there's like a large like spiritual awakening going on right now. And especially during the pandemic, there's been so many people who have been trapped in abusive situations. And I think that that's just a topic that is becoming very, very prominent, especially with, you know, just what's been going on right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I, I certainly um, am seeing in my private practice as well as in my conversations with those that are in different places nationally that mm-hmm. um, the the amount of abuse that's occurring for all sorts of reasons related to what's happening in our world is increasing exponentially. Um, yeah. And so the need that has arisen as a result uh, also has become uh, really exponential, which can, can feel really overwhelming and yet also really glad that people feel like they have a safe space to be able to reach out and get support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's good. Um, so just a quick background on you, just for people who are listening that don't know who you are. Um, like, what what do you do? And I mean, I know, but like, I want to hear it from your words. Like, what do you do? And, uh, and how do you like help people who, you know, like as well, you're a relationship coach? Yeah. 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 So just kind of explain that. I just kind of answered my own question, but yeah, explain that. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So I actually got into um, the specialization surrounding relationships based in my own personal experiences, Mm -hmm. Uh, went through a a significant period of my life engaging in toxic relationship patterns, as well as having a pretty profound experience of an abusive relationship myself. And so as I maneuvered out of that and began my own healing journey and and then launched into my career and continued to explore the what next, got really clear about the fact that I wanted to find a way and going back to school, pursuing additional education, et cetera, to offer safe spaces for individuals and couples to be able to talk about things that um, our society has, for a lot of reasons and in a lot of ways, deemed shameful uh, or has created a lot of misunderstanding around Mm -hmm. uh, while also wanting to really pivot into the idea that healthy relationships, the kinds of relationships that we want to believe are accessible to us do in fact exist and that we get to be an active participant in making different choices for ourselves around what it is that we will and won't tolerate, what it is that we do expect, what our negotiables and non-negotiables are. And then of course, in my work with couples, really looking at and identifying opportunities to move into vulnerability and intentional connection rather than getting stuck in this idea that relationships are supposed to feel good uh, and exciting all of the time. And if they don't or when they don't, it means that it's time to go. So uh, I am a relationship, a certified relationship coach. Um, I have a private practice where I see individuals and couples uh, internationally. I also uh, work with a consulting firm where I um, service sort of the relationship trauma arm of the organization and work with families in crisis related to any sort of relationship trauma mm-hmm. and have the pleasure of also most recently um, helping to build out a telehealth platform where um, access to coaching will be made worldwide. So mm-hmm. have my have my hands in a bunch of different things, all of which yeah. feels really meaningful. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. I, that's again, like, I think that this kind of work is so important. Um, I recently, and this is, this, this is why this topic is kind of, uh, I guess a bit more personal for me. Um, but I recently, this past year, uh, I mean, he's like escaped a relationship with a narcissist and was in like this extremely 
abusive, like narcissistic relationship. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know. I remember I actually I started therapy about halfway through because I didn't understand like what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't understand like the, you know, just kind of like the psychological tricks that play into that of mm-hmm. what is happening. And I, I remember when I started therapy, the first thing I said to my therapist was me and my boyfriend fight every day and I don't know why. Mm. Um, and the more we got into it, I think by the end of the second session, she was like, have you ever heard the term narcissistic abuse? And I was like, no, I've never heard of that before because my previous perception of a narcissist was. Um, you know, someone who's like, oh, me, 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 like looks at themselves in the mirror all the time, mm-hmm. like just kind of obsessed with their own vanity, mm-hmm. just kind of like almost um, the way that like the cartoons kind of portray it. Um, but, you know, that is very wrong, like mm-hmm. in, in terms of what narcissism actually is and how it uh, leaks itself into everybody's lives. Um, and when I left, like, I then started to do like um, narcissistic abuse recovery uh, and like here I, I am like, you know, that's, that's, you know, months have passed now and in far better place than I was at the time. Um, but it really just woke me up to like exactly how much manipulation was going on that because I knew this person for over a year And when I explain it to my family and friends, they're like, well, how would you stay with this person if you were dealing with all of this? And it's like, it's like only people who I know who have dealt with that specific type of person understand what I'm talking about, understand like how hard it is to actually leave that situation. Yes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think the, the, where we often get most stuck in these sorts of relationships is is just that is that we um, feel like we don't necessarily have other spaces in our lives, even when we have friends and family who love us so so much, where we are are really understood. Uh, mm-hmm. We feel like we're really alone in our experience, and ultimately, it's it's when we find spaces with people who have been through it or who understand it that we begin to number one feel a lot less alone, and number two certainly experience a sense of validation. I'm not crazy. Right. And, and that is such a powerful piece in the recovery journey. Yes. Because I I mean, so let's, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm like three steps ahead of myself right now. Um, but how would you describe, um, narcissism in a, in a romantic relationship and narcissistic abuse in a a romantic relationship? Because they do exist platonically, but specifically romantically, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I think if I were to talk about it in, in its simplest form. I would say that narcissism it actually comes from um, often experiences of trauma mm-hmm. um, and that the way in which that trauma manifests, it, it often looks like um, a person is very confident, is very assured of themselves, feels like they can't do anything wrong, um, is egotistical in a lot of ways, arrogant. And yet um, what we know is that narcissistic people are often the most insecure people um, Mm. that exist, right? And so the way in which narcissism shows up in a romantic relationship is that we enter into a relationship with someone who needs us to make them feel as though they are the center of our world, 
who also needs to make us feel like we are the cause of any wrongdoing or um, issue, challenge in the relationship so that they're able to feel a bit more secure and assured of themselves. And because they feel internally so small, although it doesn't look that way externally, also need to ensure that they are engaging in behaviors or actions that would over time make us feel smaller than them, right? Because the only way in which they're able to maintain any sort of feeling of control um, or security is by feeling as though we are beneath them and that they in fact um, ha have control over the relationship and us in a way that helps them to manage their experiences of insecurity and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And would you say one of their ways of doing that would be by love bombing somebody? Absolutely. Yeah. I think I think that we know. I, I mean, I can speak for myself certainly that that when I initially, when I have been in relationships with narcissists, that those initial feelings that we'll call love bombing, where we are um, showered with these expressions of um, adoration and um, infatuation, and are made to feel like we are the best, most important things on earth, and the flattery just has no end that that all feels really really good initially right and so if we don't know that that can be sort of a red flag or a warning sign or aren't conditioned to recognize that there are certain patterns that that should exist in a relationship when it's healthy around the way in which we attach and connect to someone all of that sort of initial quote unquote love bombing not only is not a red flag, but it feels absolutely incredible. Mm -hmm. What happens in that that phase or that period of time is that number one, we develop this intense attachment and connection to this person, right? I've never felt so good with anyone else. I've never felt this loved. I've never felt this cared about. I've never felt this important. All of those feelings drive this connection that ultimately then leads us into this place of real confusion over time, number one. And number two, we have this lived experience of, wow, this feels so good with this person that I now have this experience that I can come back to over and over and yes. over again, right? The pedestal. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was like, for me, it was like every time, you know, something bad would happen, I would always go back to that version of them. That's right. But that version of them was never really authentic. That's right. Yeah. And yet, because we've had this lived experience of, I know who this person can be, and I know what this relationship can feel like, that actually gives us something tangible to hold on to when we're mm -hmm. fighting so hard, right? To figure out how, how to be better and how to be enough and how to fix the patterns that have been created. We have this, this experience to come back to where we're not just hoping or wishing that they're able to change or become something different. We know who they can be and we know what the relationship can feel like based on this initial experience, which is why we end up stuck so often yeah. and for so long. Yeah. Um, and like, and love bombing is just, it's so, it's so powerful, like what that does to you, because it makes you feel like, like, wow, like I've never felt so safe and so secure with another person. Like I like it's like they get you to completely open up. You let them know, like, these are my secrets. These are my insecurities. And then it's like they harvest those and then they'll find a way to, like, throw them back at you at a later time um, through that feeling of 
making you feel like you're the one. Like I, I would get told all the time, like, oh, you're my soulmate. You're my twin flame. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, all, like we're going to get married one day. You know, they told that to me, I think, within the first month of me even dating them. And I've, you know... I'm only 20. Like I haven't, I haven't been through many relationships to understand that exactly like you said, like that might be a red flag. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, and there's so many people who I was speaking with somebody about this, who was was talking about how this is something that should be taught in sex ed, Mm. especially now. And especially with the world of uh, dating online where you're not getting that non uh, we're getting nonverbal communication. It's, it's so much harder to know like what, what is healthy and what is not. I'm in a hundred percent agreement. I think it, it, one of my biggest frustrations over time has been that we talk about all sorts of things as a part of our health courses or sex education. And yet talking about what constitutes a healthy relationship, talking about the continuum of relationship abuse, talking about what, what it means to develop a sense of independence and connection to self prior to entering into relationship negotiables, non-negotiables, these sorts Mm -hmm. of things. The fact that we don't have spaces to talk about these things and become aware of these things as we're developing prior to entering into relationship, I think is a real downfall uh, of our system. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, What are some, what are, like for people who are maybe thinking like, does this describe the relationship that I'm in right now? Um, Or I want to, look out for these signs for a relationship I may enter in the future. What would you say are some like key things to look out for um, if you think that you might have encountered like a narcissist? Really, really good question. I think for those that are in a relationship currently and have some of these questions, if, if your experience is or you find yourself asking one of two questions often, the likelihood of you being engaged in a relationship with someone who has narcissistic traits is significant. And those two questions are, or statements, I should say, I'm always doing something wrong. Why can't I ever do anything right? Right. That, that, that experience, that framework is often reflective of someone who is in a relationship with someone who has narcissistic qualities. And I think the other being feeling like it's never enough, right? Mm-hmm. So if if I do these 10 things in the ways in which he or she have outlined being really important to them, and then there's an 11th thing that appears, it's always something, right? That I can never show up in a way in which they're asking for, because even if I follow the rules in, in the first 10 ways in which they've identified that they need, number 11 always lands in my lap and it's something different each time, right? Yeah. And it changes also over time. And so I think this question around, do I feel like I'm enough in the relationship? And or do I feel like there's always something, right? That even when I think I've got it down, that I'm meeting their needs, that I'm able to shift in the ways in which they've talked about it being important. And yet, then there's something else that lands in my lap that I become insufficient in or incapable of. That's also a really good indicator. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was with this person, um, there was one time where we got into an argument and it was about how I, and I was talking about how I I was saying, you know, I feel like, and this is about like four months into us being together. And I said, um, you know, I feel like when you're in a relationship, you should have the freedom 
to like be who you are and to do what you want. Mm -hmm. And uh, they got incredibly angry with me when I said that. Mm -hmm. And they started talking about how when you're in a relationship, there are specific rules that you have Mm -hmm. to follow. Uh, and I was like, well, we've been dating for four months. Like, what rules are you talking about? Like, you've never brought this up to me before. So why now are you then bringing this up? And they like wouldn't tell me what the rules were. They were like, nope, because you want to do whatever the fuck you want. So mm. I'm not going to tell you like what any of these things are. And it was like, I felt like I was going crazy. Mm-hmm. Because like, I feel like crazy making is a huge part of it too. Because you just like, you just never are trusting your own reality or or what you're seeing that's right and i don't know if you've heard the the term gaslighting yes uh, but gaslighting is very typical of a narcissistic relationship and what gaslighting is is it basically means that you are being forced to question your own reality right so um you get in an argument with your partner and your partner says something awful and you then say to them you know later that day or the next day hey that thing that you said that was really hurtful and they say what are you talking about i never said that you've mm-hmm. totally made that up right or an experience where um they they tell you that you're unable to do something and you then don't do it and they come back and say hey, I asked you to do that thing, right? And you say, wait a minute, I was told not to. And they say, Mm -hmm. no, you weren't, right? That this Mm -hmm. experience of gaslighting, which causes us to question our own reality, begins to really make us absolutely feel crazy. And and it also shakes the core of our feeling like we can trust ourselves. And so then we begin to rely on them for that sense of trust, right? Rather than our own experience of connection. Yeah, it's like slowly over time, you you completely chip away like every sense of your own self and even just like grounding yourself to your spirit. It's like that is completely taken away. And I remember at the end, I just feeling like so just like intertwined and just thwarped with this person Mm. that I didn't even remember. I like, it, it was at the point where I was like, I don't even know what my hobbies are. Like, I don't even know. I don't even know what, what what I like to do when I had free time because I was always, always just with this person and doing what they want. But yeah, gaslighting is something that I experience, and it's interesting because I'll I think that it it's just it has such an intense psychological damage to to the brain and just uh, to a person. Absolutely. And the, the and the amount of people that don't really understand what it is or when they're experiencing it is really, really shocking to me. And I was even more surprised, you know, because I, I, uh, when I left, I began listening to all these podcasts about narcissism. And it's even more shocking how many people like, how many narcissists there are, and that exist. Yes. Well, when you think about the fact that that narcissism tends to stem from trauma, and all of the ways in which people experience childhood trauma in our world, right? That if there's that connection, that would make sense. Or who who experience feeling unseen in their family systems or unsupported, unimportant, right? Yeah. That often that is where this stems from. And so, of course, then if we look at narcissistic traits on a continuum, there are going to be a lot of people that develop these traits along the way. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, one thing that you said really sort of stands out for me, and that is that um, the the idea that 
that it takes such an emotional toll on us when we are in a relationship with a narcissist. I think it's important to recognize that it, this is not about how smart we are, how educated we are, what we look like, right? That over time, when we ingest messages of you're not enough, you're always messing up, you're stupid, you're insufficient in some ways, um, you're not living up to expectations. When we ingest these messages over time in all sorts of ways, words and action of a narcissistic partner, our brain be begins to believe those things to be true. doesn't mm -hmm. matter where we come from, right? doesn't matter how much we quote unquote know. And so mm -hmm. to undo that story takes a lot of time and, a, and a, a lot of opportunity for healing and a lot of really intentional investment. And, um, and, you know, when we talk about relationship abuse in general, I often say that as awful as physical abuse is that, that those scars heal, right? Those bruises mm -hmm. heal. And it's the psychological abuse uh, like the abuse that can occur in a narcissistic relationship that often um, is much more impactful on our soul and our spirit than anything yeah. that occurs on the, on the outside of our being. Mm -hmm. Because it's, you don't know that it's happening, right? Like right. in the beginning, he would call me those things, you know, he would call me like a, like, oh, you're so stupid. Like you're unbelievable. Just all these things. And I'd be like, oh, okay, whatever, you know, brush it off my shoulder. It's fine. You know, uh, and I think I think his excuse. I actually, I actually, in the beginning, I told him, "You don't call me those things. You know, that's not. You should not tell someone you're in a relationship with those words." And I remember he said to me, he was like, um, "Well, if I don't, if I don't get my anger out using these words, then I'm going to resort to physical violence, mm. and I know that you don't want that." So mm. you have to let me call you these things. Mm. And it was like, I was like, I was like, it's either you're going to call me stupid or I'm going to get like punched. Mm. Like what kind of, I was like, you need to find something else. Like mm -hmm. neither of those things are good options. And then, mm. but then I remember the way he was explaining it to me. I, it was like scary, right? It was like, well, I don't know. I, 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 you don't know how to navigate that. So eventually I just ended up like being like, it's okay. It's fine. Like, I know he doesn't mean it. And I just mm -hmm. kept on telling myself, I know he doesn't mean it. I know he doesn't mean it. But then, yeah, a couple months later, it's like, oh, like, I actually am all those things, you know? Yes. You start by brushing it off, but you're, it's, you're exactly right. Like, over time, you know, you can't just keep on brushing it off when you hear it so many times, especially from the person that, you know, you're putting all of this love and affection and trust into. Like, yes. basically, you hand over your entire life. Yes, so when you ask about Kate, the, what to look for, mm -hmm. you know, we talked a little bit about how to know that you may be in a relationship with someone with narcissistic traits. I think in, in terms of the question around how do I know what to look for or what to be aware of uh, when I'm dating, I think there are a couple of, and we talked about this a little bit at the beginning of our time together. I think the most important things to recognize, acknowledge, look for are that when things are moving too quickly or when someone is flattering you beyond what is appropriate given how much they know about you, right? When someone's telling you that you're the best thing that's happened to them or that you're their dream person or that they love you really quickly. And yet the two of you have not had time to know one another in those ways. If someone is um, sort of really emphasizing this idea that they are your safety, that they are your sole person, that they want you to open up and offer them all of the parts of you before they have earned 
trustworthiness before they've proven themselves to be safe of that vulnerability or, or um, to, to be deserving of those parts of you or, or those parts of your vulnerability. I think those are all really good indicators. And so mm -hmm. it, it can all, again, it can feel really confusing because it feels great when we feel like someone is infatuated with us. They want to spend all of their time with us. They're complimenting us you know, left and right, they are proclaiming that they've never met anyone so spectacular and that they think that we're their person and I can't believe I'm already falling in love with you. All of those things prior to them being warranted are red flags. Yeah. And then I think some of the other things to look for are people with narcissistic traits tend to have a really difficult time maintaining relationships. And so yeah. to evaluate, do they have a really solid friend group? What's their relationship like with their family members? Mm -hmm. How do they talk about their family members? How do they talk about their friends? Um, what what kinds of hobbies are they invested in? Are they do, do they do things that are selfless in nature, where they have the opportunity to be in connection with others, or is it all about performance? Right. I think all of those sorts of questions that we're able to begin to ask ourselves and to have an awareness around before we even enter into a relationship can really. Um, potentially greatly diminish the likelihood of our moving into a relationship with someone who might be qualified as a narcissist. Mm -hmm. um, do you, I know that uh, narcissism does stem from childhood drama. Uh, do you think that narcissists experience the same reality that a non-narcissist would? Um, or do you think that the trauma kind of is so shielding of, um, you know, even being able to like have any sort of self-recognition of your, you doing something wrong. So I think, you know, I, it's, I don't want to be overly general, right? I think yeah. often there's a connection between trauma and narcissism. It doesn't mean that it's always the case. Mm -hmm. And I can make a generalized statement about how narcissists experience the world. And yet also recognize that there is a continuum and a lot of differences, right? That exist yeah. from one person to the next. In general, the way that a narcissist has to operate in the world is by not taking any accountability for their own actions or behavior, which also means that they have very little insight or self-awareness, right? Because yeah. to actually look at themselves and recognize that they're flawed, that they're vulnerable, that they may feel insecure, it, it rocks their sense of safety, right? That the, the way that they've maintained a sense of safety in the world is, is by projecting all of their fears, insecurities, uh, shortcomings onto other people. And so that would mean that no, they don't have the same sense of reality, right? Because mm -hmm. if, if my reality is that I'm, per I'm quote unquote perfect and that anything that happens to me that feels difficult or has consequences is because of somebody else, my experience of the world is going to be really different than somebody who's able to say, oh, I actually made this choice that precipitated then this consequence, right? A narcissist doesn't do that. A narcissist says, oh, it's your fault that this happened to me, or it's your mm -hmm. fault that this didn't work out, right? And so yeah. our, our whole sense of the way that the world works and our role in it shifts. Yeah. I always, um, like, so when I'm, whenever I talk to somebody who doesn't know much about the topic and they always ask me, well, like, what is a good example or like, what, like a, of a person who is a narcissist, I always bring up Ted Bundy. <laughs> mm. um, and I'm, I, he is obviously on like the so far end of the spectrum to the point where he was killing people. But, um, but yeah, no, he, you know, it, it's interesting because 
you know, he was described as charming mm-hmm. and, you know, smart and intelligent mm-hmm. and, you know, like kind with, and just would make jokes like kind of with the people that were close to him. But at the same time, like, you know, he would meet these women at the bar and he would flirt with them and then or he would pretend that he was hurt and have somebody carry him back to his car and then throw them in the trunk like his way of manipulation is so interesting just to even like study I think um because that's I see so many similarities in that and with other narcissists that I've experienced Mm -hmm. where to everyone else you know especially to people who are not close to them um they you know they're like oh but I don't understand he was so charming he was so nice like uh he he always made me laugh and it's but you know i always notice that they never really let you get past that first layer of that person which essentially is the first person that you get to know if yes. you when you enter that relationship with them that's right that's yeah. right and ted bundy had a lot of things going on other than some narcissistic yes, yeah. <laughs> traits right and yet um, you are correct there that there are certainly some similarities there and that's why when we start to dig a little deeper and get to learn about people's closest relationships, we often have some indicators, right? Of Mm. whether or not um, they are able to be vulnerable with others, whether or not they allow others to really see their weaknesses or their most challenging parts, or if they are this charmer that sort of remains on the surface, right? Mm. And when you try to go beneath the surface, either the relationship ends or there's a severing of some sort. And so again, if we come back to sort of what do we want to be looking for? What do we want to consider as we enter into relationships? One reason that taking a look at what's happening around them uh, is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you recommend for people who have left these situations who are struggling with then like maybe their sense of self or Mm. uh, how to move on? Um, what would you suggest to be like the key things uh, to help yourself? Because my number one key thing was um, no contact, Mm -hmm. absolutely no contact. Mm -hmm. And that was very hard for me to do in the beginning. Yeah. I think uh, first and foremost, that's really important. And of course we will all need to go at our own pace. Right. And so what, if, if no contact feels tolerable, um, I think for a lot of reasons that makes sense. And for those of us who are supporting someone who's been in a relationship with a narcissist, also really important that they don't feel shamed or judged if they continue to have engagement, right? Or they say, I don't want to have any contact, and then they end up reaching out or being open to the idea of their former partner reaching out. So from a, a position of support, really important that we're offering messages of unconditional support, no matter what. When it comes to recovery, I'd say a few things are really important. Number one, if, if they have access to you know, coaching, relation, relationship support, therapy, um, support groups uh, that exist online, free of charge, these sorts of things where we're able to feel less alone and really seen and understood in our experience is so important. And I think that the biggest piece is connection. Connection is medicine. And so um, finding our way back to ourselves and into intentional connection with others. So more time with healthy friends, more time with positive family members, more time investing in either old hobbies or new hobbies, really looking at how do I get back to myself in a really intentional way or even find myself for the first time in a really intentional way with the support of people 
around me that I can trust is imperative because we're all wired for connection at the end of the day. And if our two options are unhealthy connection, which is what is represented in a relationship with a narcissist or no connection, we're all landing in unhealthy connection every day of the week because no yeah. connection is not an option, right? So when we think about it in that way, how, how can I find connection? Who do I want to reach out to that I've lost touch with? How might I develop new friendships? What kinds of hobbies might I explore where I meet new people who have similar interests, right? Can I spend some time journaling in order to really remind myself of what is true and why I'm making some of the choices and decisions that I am, even when it feels difficult? Mm -hmm. Do I need the help of a professional? I think all of these sorts of opportunities can be really imperative in the healing journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree. Okay. I have some questions that some of my, uh, my podcast listeners have asked great and that they want me to ask you so let me pull them up right here let's see okay uh so this person says after a year of being free from uh this person i am still afraid of intimacy or trusting another what might be the root of why I keep attracting this type of person? Mm, really good question. So I would say that if, if you recognize that there's a pattern, that you tend to fall into relationships with someone who's unhealthy, whether it be narcissistic traits or, or other kinds of toxic or unhealthy behavior, mm -hmm. often the root is that we're walking into relationships feeling um, unworthy of for any number of reasons, a relationship where there is mutual respect, mutual trust, um, mutual care to know one another, desire to fulfill one another's needs, et cetera. When I walk into a relationship feeling like um, I'm not enough, that I have to prove my worth or value, that when I behave well or meet someone else's needs, then I'm deserving of love, affection, and attention. When I don't, when I make a mistake, when I fall short, when I'm not feeling well, when I miss the boat, then I become undeserving. Often that kind of core belief system attracts a person who is going to take advantage of that, right? And we, we send subconscious cues that ultimately that's the space that we're coming from. When we are overly flattered by someone who wants to consume us initially in a relationship, rather than saying, whoa, 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 you're moving way too fast. Our response is, oh my gosh, this feels so good. Give me more. That becomes an indicator to that person that ultimately we are showing up from a somewhat wounded place or, or struggling with feelings of esteem or worth, right? And so that's why once we recognize that we are in patterns like these, we take the opportunity to really change that story within ourselves, to find ways of connecting with ourselves and others before entering into another relationship, mm -hmm. to look for positive connection, to really grow this story of I'm deserving of unconditional love, respect, adoration, no matter what, right? Yeah. And I don't have to prove my worth. That That's really where the work exists. It's not in shift, shifting or changing up our picker, right? Really focusing on how do I pick the right person? It's more about what do I believe to be true about what I'm deserving of? And when that changes, then what we pick also changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Somebody says, what would be, okay, well, we kind of touched on that. What would be an easy early sign your partner is a narcissist? Mm -hmm. Just like the whole uh, love bombing and 
love bombing, difficult relationships with friends and family, people not really knowing them, right? Or or qualifying them as a charmer, but somebody who likes to sort of stay on the surface. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, And then, oh, and then, oh, okay, so we kind of, okay, I guess we kind of did touch on everything. This Somebody else said, where does their behavior stem from and are Mm -hmm. they aware that they are doing it, which Mm -hmm. is, uh, and not speaking in general, but in many cases, trauma, in many cases, no, they do not have a lot of self-awareness, um, which is great. That means that we've talked about so many things. Terrific. Yeah, we've, um, we have talked about a lot. I know. Um, is is there anything that you, uh, just as we're, I, I think we're coming up to about 40 minutes, but is is there something that you um, feel like people like need to know or some a message that you would say just for anybody who's listening and is interested about the topic? Yeah, I think a, a couple things. Number one, and we both you and I have really acknowledged this, you're not alone, right? Yeah. That, that ultimately the number of people that experience some form of relationship abuse is one in three in mm-hmm. our world today. And so I think to really know, number one, you're not alone, that there's nothing to be ashamed of, that um, there is that there is support available to you. And, and that ultimately you didn't cause or create this are some of the most important messages, I think, to really um, continue to infuse into our world so that there is less shame or stigma about coming forward. And I think the, the second being that um, this is an exercise that I do with a lot of my coaching clients. And that is, if we, if we take an opportunity to do an exercise around what our negotiables are and what our non-negotiables are and have some account accountability around that it offers us the opportunity to really continually check in with ourselves when we're either entering into a new relationship or in an existing relationship are my boundaries being respected am i making excuses for this person am i beginning to tolerate things that i told myself that i wouldn't tolerate right really having a um, sort of an operating agreement if you will with ourselves as we move into relationships or continue in relationships can be a really important exercise and something that then we're able to refer back to in order to offer ourselves accountability and potentially even ask those that we love and trust to be able to check in with us around. So I think if you're looking for a tool or or a skill that you're able to implement or exercise in order to offer yourself some support in this way, that's a really good one to start with. And you have, you yourself have a lot of um, workshops and stuff like that on, um, on, on things that uh, would help people. Correct. Yeah. Yep. I just finished a a four week healthy dating series Mm -hmm. where we went over things like dating timelines, boundaries, intentional commitment, those sorts of things. Also offer couples workshops, uh, do individual coaching, uh, and then do a lot of workshops on things like recognizing or identifying abuse um, Mm -hmm. and ways in which we're able to maneuver through that. Um, uh, workshops on esteem and coming into relationship from a place of worth and connection. So yeah, happy to, of course, answer any questions that any of your listeners might have around any of that. Um, Mm -hmm. And really appreciate your including me in such an important conversation. And that is today's episode. Um, Yeah, Jessica, thank you. Oh my God, I'm sure she's listening to this. Thank you again for being on the show. That 
we had an absolutely wonderful conversation. She is so amazing, you guys. If you haven't, you need to go check out her website, check out her Instagram. She has so many amazing resources. She's done such wonderful things with her career. And she is very, very inspiring to me. And, and I think that you might find her very, very inspiring as well. Um, so uh, thank you for listening. And... Uh, share the episode on your Instagram stories or on Facebook, um, tag me in them. Uh, I've been loving all the reviews and the messages I've been getting. My podcast is on Apple Podcasts, so if you're listening on Apple, please leave a review and let me know what you think. I would greatly appreciate that. And um, thank you so much, and we will see you next time. (laughs) 